word this morning. That's Neil's job. I'm just going to bring it wild and, and passionate, and I'm going to bring it the way it, it's weighing in me at the moment. And, um, but I, I would love for us to go into a little song just while you're sitting there and just um, you know, posture ourselves at the feet of the one who's beautiful this morning. And Man, your kids are so well-behaved. I'm like, like I was, when you were speaking, I was listening. You don't hear the kids are quiet and sitting. They might get louder later. <laughs> really? <laughs> the noisy ones on here. It's easy to say in the moment that I'll always love you. But at the end of the day, when my head's laid to rest, have I even spoken to you? It's easy to sing at the top of my lungs that I will give it all. But when nobody's watching, do I always bring you my sacrifice? Lord, I want to love you daily. Give up my life for your story daily. Lift up my voice for your glory daily. Bring you my first every time. Let's sing that again. It's easy to say in the moment. It's easy to say in the moment. That I'll always love you. But at the end of the day, when my head's laid to rest, have I even spoken to you? It's easy to sing at the top of my lungs that I will give it all. But when nobody's watching, do I always bring you my sacrifice? I want to love you. Lord, I want to love you daily. Give up my life for your story daily. Lift up my voice for your glory daily. Bring you my first every I want to love you, Lord. Lord, I want to love you daily. Give up my life for your story daily. Lift up my voice for your glory daily. Bring you my first every time. Can we sing that again? Lord, I... Lord, I want to love you daily. Give up my life for your story daily. Lift up my voice for your glory daily. Bring you my first every time. Because every moment. Love your presence, Lord. Far exceeds my 
Let's sing that again every moment. Every moment in your presence. I want to love you daily Give up my life for your story daily Lift up my voice for your glory daily Bring you my first every time Just one more time. I want to love you, Lord. Lord, I want to love you daily Give up my life for your story daily. Lift up my voice for your glory daily. Bring you my first every time. Amen. I was uh, busy prepping my heart last night for this morning and... Um, I'm already seeing, I'm not going where I wanted to go. The Lord has already taken my heart somewhere else, and, but that's okay. But I was reminded of the, of the story of the nation of Israel being in captivity 430 years. By now, their identity is only that of a slave. They've had tyrant after tyrant after tyrant ruling over them, abusing their sons, raping their daughters, this nation has lost its connection with even the prophetic seed that was spoken by the Lord. I mean, they're slaves. And then this man shows up, Moses. The Lord spoke to him and he said to him, go get her. I want her back. Right? And this Moses shows up and his God is so jealous for this nation. And he sent, you know the story, he sends the plagues and I mean, what a demonstration of power and might and glory. Opens up the Red Sea, swallows an army. Right? And now we read in Deuteronomy, the first encounter that these people has now been taken out of captivity. They're now meeting with this God that called on them. They're now meeting with this God that pulled them towards Himself. And, and, I, and I'm thinking... Having identity as slaves, having tyrant after tyrant over them, they must have thought, we've never seen such might and power. It's almost terrifying. I mean, they are standing at the foot of a mountain and there's fire falling from the heavens and there's thunder and darkness. And I mean, they've just seen all the things he's doing. And I'm thinking they probably must have thought, what would a mighty God like this want with us? Is he wanting to build an empire maybe? Is he looking for slaves maybe? What does he want? What do you want from us? And it's so remarkable. Deuteronomy 6, he starts off by saying, precisely what he wants love me 
what, what do you want? I want you to love me. I want you to love me. I want love. And, he, and his heart is so revealed in that moment because he's, his story hasn't changed. It's still the same cry in his heart. I want you to love me. What is he saying to the church? Love me. With all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and all your soul. Just love me. What is the word of the Lord to you this morning? Love me. And every time I catch the Lord saying in the Old Testament, you shall love me. I, I, in that shell, there's something of a joy. You shall. There will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There will be a son on a cross. And he will make a way to the Father. And when he makes a way to the Father, I will come and make my home inside of you. And when I make my home inside of you, I will empower you. And by grace again, you'll be able to love me. Love me. Your story is a story of love. And some of you have forgotten. It's a story of love. This morning we're going to sing some songs, hopefully, maybe. But here's the thing. It's not the song that excites God. It's the singer. And I always say to people, you know, the gift of songs is simply to facilitate connection. He's not running after the song. Are we singing the right song? Are we singing the wrong song? He's just actually just looking for your heart while you're singing. He loves you. And He wants love. I've been praying that for years. Help me to love you. Do you know that it takes God to love God? Loving Him is so out of your reach. It's a work of grace on the inside of you. And so I've just been partnering with the Holy Spirit in prayer for years. Help me to love you. Help me to love you. We spoke about it earlier this morning. One of the prayers I pray to the Lord is, show me what moves your heart. I just want to move your heart. That's the story of my life. I want to move you. I want to love you. Amen? I just sort of detour to what I wanted to bring, but I want you to love me, Israel. That's what I want. Want lovers. You know when you fall out of love with, with Him, this, this following Christ becomes costly. The more you love, the less it costs. But it really gets costly when you've fallen out of love. Because Christianity is not, this thing can't, it's not, you can't work without love being in the very center of it. It's not a book religion. It's not a mind religion. It's a, it's a thing of love. And I heard this phrase years ago, lovers work harder than servants. And that's absolutely the truth. A servant will only go as far as he gets paid or gets something from it. Or his value system or whatever. But a lover, there's no cost. Do you remember when you fell in love the first time? You did stupid things. You'll drive through the night to have a coffee and drive back. You just There was no cost because your heart was burning 
But when you started falling out of love, it became costly. When you're in love, you don't weigh, you don't measure, you don't count. Because there's too much of a flame inside of you. It's too much of a flame burning in your heart. Love. Beloved, passion is not enough. Conviction is not enough. Great values is not enough. The only thing that will get you to the end is love. Remember the book of Revelation, and they did not love their lives even unto death. Love is the only thing that will get you to the finish line. Love. You shall love me. Jesus quoting that famous verse in Deuteronomy when asked, what is the first and the greatest command? They said, the first and the greatest. You shall love me. You shall love the Lord with all your heart. And then the second, as you know what the thing is? The second is still the second, even though it's like the first. But here's what I've noticed. When the first and the great command has taken first place in your life, the second just comes naturally. You can't spend time with love itself and not love what he loves and hate what he hates. Oh, beloved, you need to have an ache inside of you this morning. Help me to love you. I want to love you more. I want to love you deeper. I want to love you more extravagantly, Lord. You are worthy of that love. You know, if he was, I always said to worship leaders, if he was after songs, he would have created a planet and put on it a choir. But he doesn't. He makes a planet and he fills it with sons and daughters. A family. But anyways, that's not what I wanted to share this morning. You know, if you've, if you've, if you've lost your, if you no longer have an ache inside of you for His presence, you are on dangerous ground. If you no longer have an ache for His presence, we're in dangerous ground. A longing inside of you to encounter that man. An ache. The book Song of Songs has a, a lovely word. It's called love sick. Ache. I told Mark the other day, we had a coffee and I said to him, the first thing I do every morning is I check how much ache is there in me. How much ache. Longing. Oh, my soul longs for you. Beloved, if you're void, if you're empty of longing, you have nothing. He's looking for connection. You know, it's like years ago I heard this and it, so, it still sits with me. I don't know why I'm jumping around, but I got asked the question and the question was simple. Why did God make you? Yeah, and my religious little antennas went up and I was like, 
thinking scriptures and thinking big picture and thinking calling and thinking kingdom and thinking all these things. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm wrestling through all these things. Why would God make me? And then at some point, the guy that asked the question just kind of calmed me down. And he said, I, I have an answer for you. And it's much more simple than you think it is. He made you because he wanted you. Christianity is Christ. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. Anyways, while praying for you guys, you know, and what what do you want me to say today to them? What do you want to what do you want me to deposit into their hearts? And the first thing I heard, and I, I loved the way the Lord spoke to me. I just I got so excited. I actually didn't go further than that. I went to the piano to worship. And the Lord said to me, Christianity is not a lifestyle choice. It's an obsession with a man. It's an obsession with a man. And that man has held the eyes of eternity captive with His majesty. He's been the song of the angels for all eternity. There's never been silence before His throne. Because of His glory and His beauty, He is dazzling. And we'll read a little bit later. John says, His face outshines the sun in its full strength. Beloved. You know, Jesus has been satisfying the mind and the heart of God for all eternities. But you and I get sometimes bored with Him. As if we've used up all the pleasures that there is to be found in this man. Before the throne at this very moment, elders are throwing their crowns at His beauty and majesty. They've never stopped doing that. They'll continue to do that. And one day we'll behold them for eternity. Just continuing. Worthy. Beautiful. Holy. And most of the time our boredom is simply blindness. At some point in your life, you stopped gazing upon Him. You stopped looking at Him. You stopped seeing Him. And your heart is empty of revelation. And so, I'm almost coming to a close. Cannot believe it. One thing I've done through all my life, and and, and I'll get to the point now, I've made the study of the beauty of God revealed in the person of Christ the highest priority in my life. I've made the study of the beauty of God revealed in Christ the highest priority in my life. Why? Because worship is very simply at the core a response to the worth of Jesus. The more you see Him, the more you love Him. The more you see Him, the more you want Him. The more you see Him, the more extravagant your worship becomes. When Mary ran into that room and she broke that alabaster jar over His feet, it wasn't because she was a good idea. It's because she saw Him for who He was. And an extravagant outpouring of love. 
You know, when you look upon Him, when you see Him, like John. I'm so tired of hearing this phrase, we want, we want a good service or a great service. I don't want a good or a great service. I want what John wanted in the book of Revelation. An open heaven and a voice saying, come up here. That's what I want. I don't want good. I want Him. And He got caught up into the heavens. And He found Himself. Go read it. I saw a man. And his eyes were flames of fire. And he spoke. And when he spoke, it was like rushing waters, like rivers. And his face shone. He had the appearance of Cornelian and Sardius. And he had the attention of heaven. And they were singing to him. That's what I want. When you see Him, you go for Him. When there's revelation in your heart of His worth, you see, here's the thing. The extravagance of your devotion, your obedience, your worship is in direct correlation with your revelation of His worth. In other words, you give, you follow, you obey to the extent that you find Him worthy. Your breakthrough is not another verse memory, quote, another hour prayer. Your breakthrough is seeing Him for who He is. Your breakthrough is opening Scripture and you go towards Him until you see Him, until you find Him, until you fall in love with Him. That's your breakthrough. That's your win. Because deeper is not a place. Deeper is He. beautiful. Guys, I'm really, I'm really encouraging you to fall in love with Him this morning. This is what it is. Christianity is Christ. He is the point of it all. The other day we were discussing, and I think some of you may have heard me speak on this, but we were discussing the theology of salvation. I didn't know there was a theology of salvation. I'm not wired that way, and that doesn't really excite me. But, I mean, just for me, it's just, it's, I didn't know about a theology of salvation when I got saved. You know what I'm saying? But, but, I, but I heard there's like Calvinists and the Armenians, and they all believe that there is such a thing as a, a doctrine of salvation. And it's actually very simple. The one, the one believes that the gift, the free gift is faith, and by faith we believe. Where the other one believes, um, the free gift is salvation, and when you believe, you'll have it. Man, and it was actually a good study to do, but as elders, we were wrestling through this theology of the doctrine of salvation, and about three hours into the conversation with many coffees later, I realized something. That we've been talking about Salvation for three hours without mentioning the one who saves once. And you see, if you're not careful, that's what Christianity becomes. He is the point. I wanted to read you something. Where's that little book? I brought a book. I don't normally read from books, but I wanted to read you this, and I'm, I'm almost coming to a close, and then we're just going to fall in love with him. 
listen to this. This caught me. It's not just our self-focus, though. We naturally gravitate, it seems, towards anything but Jesus. And Christians, almost as much as anyone, whether it's the Christian worldview, grace, the Bible, or the gospel, as if they were things in themselves that could save us. Even the cross can get abstracted from Jesus, as if the wood had some power of its own. Other things, wonderful things, vital concepts, beautiful discoveries, so easily etch Jesus aside. Precious theological concepts meant to describe Him and His work gets treated as things in their own right. He becomes just another brick in the wall. But the center, the cornerstone, the jewel in the crown of Christianity is not an idea. Not a a system or a thing. It's not even the gospel as such. The center of it all is a man. And his name is Jesus. And he's the point of life. And he's the point of Christianity. And I want to read you this quote from Robert Murray. Listen to this. Learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely. Such infinite majesty and yet such meekness and grace. And all for sinners, even the chief. Live much in the smiles of God. Bask in His beams. Feel His all-seeing eye settled on you in love. And repose in His almighty arms. And let your soul be filled with a heart-ravishing sense of the sweetness and the excellency of Christ and all that is in Him. He is the point. Jesus at the very center of it all. And we so easily drift from that center. As an elder, you know, the danger is I I sometimes fall into this thing where, you know, I, I'm, I'm more devoted to do things for Him than be with Him. And we know how to do all things, but yet we neglect to see the one we need to be with most. And it's so easy to be a Martha. what he really wants it's face to face moments because the work of the cross is not him trying to clean up hell and fill up heaven the redeeming work of the cross is taking an orphan and bringing him back into fellowship with the father it's about intimacy it's about love I'm going to say that that very little simple line again. 
Christianity is not a lifestyle choice. It's an obsession with a man. Other obsessions are bad. But there's one obsession. It's a holy obsession. And if you dip your heart into the streams of that obsession, of that holy longing, beloved, it's that place where you find life. Christianity is not about building altars. It's about beholding and discovering the beauty of that man who died on the cross. It's to be fascinated with him. To be lovesick for him. So this morning, how much of an ache do you have in your heart for him? How much of a longing, how much burning do you have in your soul? I remember years ago, Neil, when I was still a young worship leader and uh, I, had, I, I, got, I went through this season where I, I fell in love with His name. I, I still am in love with His name. There's an old hymn that sings, there's just something about His name. And there truly is something about His name. And uh, I remember not choosing songs with His name in because whenever His name is sung, or whenever I see his name, I would just break out in tears and it would be that ugly cry. My heart is undone. I remember missing half of my morning university classes because of having moments in the car with them on the way to them. Pulling up to the side, I had a little... I had a little small little thing I would pull up with the hazards on. I would cry and just encounter him because of an ache. And I wanted to please him, not to get anything from him. I wasn't trying to be a good Christian. I just wanted to love him. And if you've lost that, he's calling you back to that place of a burning heart where your worship is loud and extravagant, your obedience is quick, your repentance is quicker. Not because it's the right thing to do, because somewhere in Galatians or Colossians, Paul said something about obedience, but because your heart is set to please. Now we're talking life. And there's this invitation this morning. Come behold, come gaze upon, come see. Come look at me. And the more you find Him, the more life makes sense. The more you find Him, the more life makes sense. You realize the greatest joy you have is waking up in the morning and to say, Good morning, Dad. Your heart is racing because you're running to the Bible because maybe you'll just see Him in a different way and it changes everything. I remember a story and I, I think I, don't, I have not shared this I mean, publicly, but we have a friend. She was the first lesbian to be married to another wife or to another girl in South Africa. She's... she's not married anymore to that. The Lord has healed her. But her testimony is amazing. So they got married and they, they obviously stayed together. She was in the kitchen, busy doing dishes. 
and she felt the presence of someone with her. And she turned around and in the corner of the kitchen, she saw Jesus standing. And he just looked at her. And he turned around and walked out. And she started feeling conviction. <laughs> and, you know, and eventually got divorced, gave her heart to the Lord, etc., etc. But I asked her this. I said, when you saw him, what did you see? What made you change the way you lived? What was it about him that was moving you so deeply? And she said to me, I saw love. For the first time in my life, I saw love. And she said, more than her life being saved and redeemed, there's one cry in her heart that she prays every morning. When she wakes up, she's the first thing she asks the Lord. Can I see those eyes just one more time? She said to me, Merv, there's something about his eyes. I'm aching with longing. He wants your heart, connection, face-to-face moments. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? John 17, Father, I pray that they would be with me. Those you have given me, that they would be with me. That's the heart of Christianity. It's about that man. Our Lord, our King, Are you guys okay? If you haven't noticed, I'm not sharing what I prepared. Actually, I, I wanted to go back to that all the time, you know. But, but Neil said to me, Merv, you know, the Lord speaks to you about our congregation. Just, you know, if He says anything, just please share, you know. And so now I want to do the friend thing and I want to do the elder thing and I want to do the prophet thing. And so I asked the Lord. And He said to me this. I'm going to teach Greenpoint how to enjoy their place at the table of the Lord. I'm going to teach them their place at the table of the Lord. I'm inviting them into a lavish feast of love. And I heard the Lord saying to me, but that's just my language. If you know me, you'd know what I'm saying. I'm going to romance death out of them. That's what he said to me. I'm going to romance death out of them. They're going to take their place at my table. And I have a feast prepared. And they're going to smile and be full of life and be full of joy. And they will know me intimately.
deep. And I felt the Lord saying, the wilderness only produced a lover that's leaning on her beloved. And the gift of the season that you've been through is that He's taught you how to lean, how to be weak. And I heard the Lord say to me, I was very intentional about weakening her. Because the weaker she gets, the more she holds on. The weaker she gets, the more she clings. And I've been teaching you how to cling to me. The table of the Lord. I don't know, I know it's lovely to get more directional words, but I felt the Lord didn't want to give you a directional word, even though He'll speak to the elders. But I felt He wanted to give you a, a word from His heart. discover, come behold I'll take your place at the table come feast drink of me in his right hand David says our pleasures forevermore pleasures forevermore And he wants to satisfy your heart. Amen.